Welcome to this week's episode of Game Dev's Quest, your once weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs and game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And this week we're joined with a very special guest. You all know him from the Discord. He has been a regular there for a long, 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 long time. Say what's up. Hi, hello. Yes, um, Felix, uh, better known as Flippo, I guess, on the on the Discord. Yeah. Um, been a, a long time listener, so uh, been yeah. excited to be uh, to be a guest for once. Long it's funny because, right? It's funny because yeah. uh, the other, you know, last week or whatever, you uh, you sent me like a music recommendation on Twitter, right. and okay. uh, the only reason I recognized you was because of your your logo that you had on there. You know, the oh, Flippo logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh, right. when I went when I went back to like tag you in that, I was like. Who the hell sent me that? Like, <laughs> I can't find it because I kept looking for Flippo or something like that. But I, your tagging is under your name, so. Oh, uh, I'm mean, to switch them up. I think it's Felix Flippo. So I would have right. been easier if it was Flippo Felix. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that was that was kind of funny. Yeah, I love. Yeah, um, yeah. It's fun. So I was telling you earlier, you're the first guest we've had outside of North America, which is super cool. We had yeah. like had to figure out all the time differences and everything. So it's. Um, I'm excited it worked out, but it's fun because a lot of Europeans, it seemed like, are interested in metal, and that's like, you know, the bread and butter of retinized music choices. So it's always fun, like hearing the the different bands that you're interested in. I love that you're always sharing bands, typically ones I've never heard of, and then I always like them. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, uh, good to hear. That's it. I mean, a lot of the metal comes from the, the Scandinavia area. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I think if <laughs> some of the festivals festivals have been to been good ways to get introduced to all, all kinds of different bands and absolutely. Um, and you're from the music. Netherlands, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, and recently I recommended to Rhett uh, Shil Magognar, which is from the Netherlands, so I instantly thought of you. Um, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Was that one that you shared in Discord as well? I think. Uh, it might have been Shilma Gognar. Have you heard of them? No, I've, I've not. But I know that you uh, shared one. How long? Uh, oh, the other day. Ago. I think it was, it was a Dutch one as well. Fenimar? Gotcha. Is that the one? The one that he just shared like the other day? Oh, they might be from the Netherlands. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I don't know many metal bands from the Netherlands, to, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> I've, I've always been to festivals outside of the Netherlands as well. So, uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I, got, I went to a big one in Switzerland. It was great. Wow. Uh, where I saw Linkin Park, which, uh, which I'm very happy about now. <laughs> wow, that's, nice. that's, that's really that's, cool. That's basically, the band that kind of um, started uh, or my whole interest of music basically comes from listening to Linkin Park. Yeah, that's um, funny. Yeah, actually, me too. I was like really big into Linkin Park seventh and eighth grade, and uh, I saw Linkin Park in eighth grade on Valentine's Day, and it was like 
my mind was blown. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I actually had, um, I signed up, they had this, uh, thing called lp underground which was like their fan club and i signed up for it and i was like one of the first 100 from portland to sign up and so i like got to go backstage and meet them and like get all their autographs so i was like as a 14 year old boy like drummer you know who's into music i was like so high that day it was awesome (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah, they were like my first like real cd that was kind of like put me on uh where i wanted to go but i walked around i would walk around school telling people like oh man have you listened to this lincoln park band i have their cd it's called high bird theory (laughs) (laughs) like you know my mom uh, my mom never had like a lot of money or whatever so she would like get her friends to burn cds for her but then what she would do is she would get a hard cd case and she would like draw the album art on a piece of paper and put it in the sleeve and then and then whatever was on the cd itself she would sit there and draw with a sharpie marker on the cd that's funny (laughs) so like on the cd is like the dude like spinning the cane or whatever he's got i don't know what it is you know it's like the guy in the trench coat and the hat like spinning the cane or something (laughs) so she like drew that on the cd with a with a marker (laughs) that's funny yeah i still have that somewhere but for me lincoln park was like a gateway to to metal yeah because yeah i remember um i forget the name uh, like one step closer i think is the name Mm -hmm. of that one step closer yeah i'm about to break yeah he's like shut up when i'm talking to you you know like i was like (laughs) what the heck is this (laughs) yeah dude i heard that on the radio and i was like i can't believe this guy's just yelling (laughs) i Yeah, it blew my mind a little bit because I had to have been like fourth grade, maybe the first time I heard Lincoln Park. So I was like, you know, funny. nine years old or something. Yeah. But, uh, um, how long ago was that when you saw them in Sweden, Flippo? Uh, sorry, Felix. Uh, Felix Flippo. <laughs> it's, um, it's uh, no, it must have been, I think, six. No, that's, yeah, six or seven years ago. Okay. Was before I went to college. So, uh, gotcha. Yeah, a little Quite while. some time. Yeah. How long ago did uh, Chester um, die, yeah. pass away? I think that was like three years ago. He was probably there, right, for the concert you were at? Oh, yeah, yeah he was there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that was pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I mean, because everybody, you know, everybody knew Lincoln Park, so. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think recently they released a, a 20 year anniversary of um, High wow. Bird Theory. So, uh, <laughs> <Nice. laughs> <laughs> I think I've not really listened to it, but I know that they uh, also released some songs they recorded back then, but oh, never wow. released before. So. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, I was listening. I, I somebody listen was it. somebody was telling me that there was a bunch of songs that they had maybe done with other artists at the time that they never released like who's like the dj guy in that band like apparently he was involved mr in hall right yeah <laughs> uh, yeah yeah well they anyway. did they did um stuff with like static x and which also released a new album apparently static x is good oh, really? yeah they are good <laughs> the first time I ever heard them was because they like featured their guitarist on uh, one of their songs that they didn't really release. So, Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. That's like 
nostalgia 101 what's, right there for me. What's kind of interesting yeah. is I, I I haven't listened to Linkin Park in a long time, but I, I was thinking about them because Antic Dope uh, recommended the album by that band Vane. And one of the things I was listening to it, I was like, man, this is like straight out of my like early high school, middle school days. Like it's hardcore. Um, but, uh, there's like a nostalgic quality to it. And I kind of pinned it down when I was reading other people's thoughts. Like apparently it's pretty generally accepted that they incorporated new metal into their sound and Lincoln Park was new metal. So, right. uh, so that's kind of like they have, you know, um, kind of drums sampled in the same way that like Lincoln Park would have had or like things like that. Plus, even some of their like heavy, just like you know, balls out sort of guitar riffs kind of remind of like early Linkin Park stuff. So it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about them a lot when I realized, like, oh yeah, I can see the new metal influence, even though they're not new metal at all, but they kind of have that like nostalgic bent to it. Yeah, man, early two thousands right. rock. But yeah. I think also one of the reasons why Linkin Park was so good for me to kind of start my own interest in different kind of music genres. Because it's just a mix of different, like you got electronic and, and more heavy rock metal guitars yeah. and got the rap, of course. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> from Linkin Park, it's quite easy to get to other artists that yeah. maybe only do rap or only go even heavy on the metal side. So uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, like... Uh, it worked really well. Mike Shinoda did Fort Minor for a while. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, which is actually like really good. Like yeah. everybody can remember that one song. 100% reason to remember the name, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I actually kind of love that song. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of, uh, uh, for my uh, lacrosse team that I played um, last three years, which was one of, one of our pump-up songs that we used right before yeah. I, each match that we went in. Went in. So uh, That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, so, dude, let's, let's talk about some game dev. We brought yeah, you on yeah, yeah. because That's we were it. having a, a really good conversation in uh, in the Discord a couple weeks back. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to just talk about, I mean, I'm always like impressed with uh, things you're working on and, and you've done a lot of cool stuff in, in the past, whether it's, I know right. like you worked on writing your own engine, you've done some VR stuff, you got uh, experience working for different companies um, doing, yeah. You know, game dev so yeah if you want to talk at all just about your experience it'd be great yeah i think it's good to do a bit of an introduction there then um so this year i graduated from my um game development study that i did in the netherlands um which i did for five years i threw one year uh twice um for some reasons but um during the study i um did two internships, so two times six months I worked at a, a different company, wow. um, both working with uh, VR. Cool. That's where most of my VR uh, comes from. The, the, the engine is, was also a school assignment, um, and for a project after the assignment, we had to create our own game within that engine. Wow. It was <laughs> such a crazy but uh, amazing experience. Uh, because it, it really shows how creativity kind of benefits from working within limitations. Mm-hmm. But by not having all the um, tools available by using engine like Unity or Unreal, um, you really have to be very precise on what kind of game 
can we make with what we have? Like with, with the engine, we didn't even have any collisions. <laughs> so the whole game is made. So basically, you, know, you have art and um, just some smart math to move around. It was like a, a game where you control a snail who goes over kind of a puzzly level. Um, and um, so that was very interesting. Yeah, I remember uh, that game. But it, I think you played it on, on stream, I, actually. I played it on stream, yeah. I can't, was, I feel like, I don't know if there was a game jam or something going on, but I remember playing it on stream. And I, I liked mm -hmm. the game. It was super fun. And then to add on the fact that you also wrote the engine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. was like, my mind was blown. I was like, what the heck, dude? This is crazy. But yeah, that was... Um, yeah, you, but, but, we should get the link from you so we could post it in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I think that's the one link I don't have ready yet, but I can get it in a sec. No worries. That's um, all right. You can get it afterwards. But, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so um, that study was pretty amazing for me to learn about game dev and how stuff works. And uh, because it, I, it is a study, you learn about all the different aspects um, from creating from auto engineering, the kind of stuff where we had to create our own sound waves, um, things like wow. that, to more game design focused courses. Uh, but I also quickly find out that even though I do like to uh, develop games, um, I have more an interest in learning why people play games, how they play games, and um, what potential games have of um, being more than just something for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, also a book that I read before starting my study, written by Jen McGonagall, McGonagall if I pronounced that correctly, um, which is called Reality is Broken. Uh, it's a big reason why I think that um, games do have the potential to be more than just a fun pastime. Um, it's also a book that I recommend anyone that likes to play games or develop to, to read. Uh, mostly goes into how game design um, can be used to create voluntarily, voluntary obstacles, which is kind of what, what, what games are really good at. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have a good game, you have something that's you have different tasks that people have are having fun completing or doing right so that's why i think that um games can be made um in such a way that they are more than just or more than just fun basically yeah yeah totally. and it's kind of <laughs> interesting because i think some of the games that really stand out in a weird way are sometimes ones that are trying to that are trying to play to that third dimensional angle where it's not just about here, have fun. Obviously have fun is always a goal, but ones where they're trying to convey a certain idea or a message or theme or uh, something like that. Um, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking, so maybe they don't stand out as much as I thought they did. <laughs> well, for me, like the, the game that, comes to mind when thinking about that is portal yeah right? i can see that it's not necessarily like an educational game but it's a game that 
you know that clearly has obstacles and the game itself is teaching you the rules as you go Mm -hmm. along um so i feel like that could be a pretty interesting game to study you know especially in terms of game design how are they teaching the player to advance i mean it it slowly builds on these concepts over time like Mm -hmm. at first i think you have one type of portal or something you can use um and you know just the way that they teach you how to use the portals especially like by the end when you're like flying around rooms and like shooting portals everywhere doing different (laughs) things like juggling cubes and stuff at the same time like it's actually pretty incredible how how quickly they teach you to to do some really complicated tasks um yeah portal is is a good example actually um especially a good um game that shows you that in order for people to learn how to play it, you don't have to teach them the rules at the start. Mm-hmm. It's basically that they're just putting you in the game and saying, yeah, just do whatever. And <laughs> it, it gives you feedback on all the actions that you do. And right. you basically learn from the feedback that you get. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, in a way so you, you kind of reverse engineer the game, which is how games right. used to be learned up until... You know, suddenly it wasn't an easy task when you had a hundred windows and thirty tabs, and uh, you know you have a whole keyboard where each button does its own thing. Like it became a little harder to do that. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I think about that concept all the time. It's like when I would pick up a Nintendo controller as a kid, you're reverse engineering the game. You're seeing what you can do, what the rules are of the game. You're seeing, uh, you know, what what helps you win, what's going to make you lose. I mean. And Portal is the prime example of that. You just hop in, you start doing stuff. You kind of know the rules a little bit because you're like, okay, I've played I've played a first-person game before, so I guess I can move around like this. Okay. I'm, I, I'm used to seeing kind of a gun on the screen of these games. What's this? Okay, it shoots a portal. <laughs> all right. You know? Um, and those are kind of the, the most rewarding types of games in a way because nobody, nobody likes reading a tutorial. This is something we've been talking about <laughs> on, the, on the Discord a whole bunch is just like... Um, how blocks of text scare people away like pretty quickly, you know? And it's like, unfortunately I think some games, it can't be helped. Like if you want to play Crusader Kings or Europa Universalis, it's basically a board game, which means Mm -hmm. that the best way to convey the rules is you're going to have to read the rule book. Yeah. And, um, you know, but games where it's like a little bit more kinetic and things like that, you can sort of. Yeah. I also think that, that games that do allow you to figure out the rules as you play um, are also the ones best suited for um, adding some educational value to them as well. Mm-hmm. Because that's the, the best way that a game is different from, for example, a, a book. Um, a book is perfect in giving you very uh, factual knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a game, if you try to if you try to do that with a game, it quickly gets boring because then you get the the, the whole bunch of text that you have to read. Um, <laughs> right. But like, yeah. like, like games have, like Portal have showed, it, they don't have to. If you design it in a certain way, you can let the player figure out how it works and what's expected of them. Yeah. Well, and that's what's sort of fun about games in general is you can teach the player different things and you can teach them by letting them experience like the negative side of things you know like 
I don't know, they mess up on something and it has like these dramatic consequences. Um, and then they learn, oh, I probably shouldn't do that thing anymore. <laughs> but it's fun. Like you fail, but, it, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and what's more, I think that type of game also gives you, I think part of the reason what makes it more rewarding is because it also kind of gives you more of a stake in what's in the game itself. You know, I, I talk about this a lot, but I've been trying to distill down what it was that made me enjoy certain things so much as like a teenager. And for games, you know, I played so many games, but it's, I had a limited library. Um, and also, it wasn't as easy to look things up. So I really had to figure things out or I had to talk with my friends about it, you know. And like Dark Souls kind of captures that talk with your friends about it aspect really well because like you're not really going to be able to figure out that game completely on your own um but when you do these things and you don't look it up and you're not watching the tutorials or you don't have the cheat codes or whatever you, you kind of take ownership of it oh my god have you played this game portal oh my god i like figured out how to do all this crazy stuff it was like it, it just suddenly becomes a little bit more valuable to you because it feels like you have a claim on that game you know yeah absolutely like, yeah. how many how mm -hmm. many games have you been disappointed in because like a friend recommended it to you and and they were telling you everything about whatever you got to do it this way this way this way this way and it's like <laughs> it's not fun anymore you know you're just doing what they're telling you to do that's spoilers like, man it's part of why i can't really <laughs> play torchlight you know because i would play it with friends and like they're like this is what you do you got to do this and this and this and it's like it's not how I would play the game, and then all of a sudden I was like two hours in, and I was like, "Nah, eh, I'll never play this again," and I haven't. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. got these types of games where people have figured out the just the, the the best strategy to do it, um, so you don't really feel like experimenting anymore because you know yeah. that's just gonna take more time to reach the end. Right. The best strategy already exists. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's sometimes that is fine and sometimes it's not but you know if you're going to play a game with friends it's kind of more fun if you come at it from the same experience level or you come at it from whatever because otherwise it quickly becomes like well never mind like you clearly have months of you know advantage over me or whatever it might be and it's just not yeah, the same anymore in a way that's sort of an argument for playing single player games Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Because like it, in your case, when you were playing Torchlight, you played with a friend who'd probably beaten it several times or yeah. something. Mm -hmm. um, versus if you had just played it on your own without having any previous knowledge about it, it probably would have been a lot more fun because you're discovering yeah. these new things, you know? Well, and um, when I was talking about trying to distill things, like what were these key factors that contributed to me enjoying games? Multiplayer games like were a thing... But friends would have to come over to the house and we'd play on split screen or whatever. Like, I didn't really have PC online gaming at the time. So I did a yeah. lot of single player games. And it's kind of weird to think that my identity was built on playing video games. However, it was built on playing single player video games. Morrowind, yeah. Gothic, um, whatever else, the Final Fantasy games. Um,. I loved, you know, KOTOR. I loved playing games, but the single-player games offered the types of experiences that I wanted. Um, and I didn't have to wait on anybody. Um, so I don't know. Uh, single-player games is definitely one of them. You know, having a limited games library was another thing. Um, 
yeah, I can't even remember what else I've distilled it down to, but go ahead. It, it's kind of amazing how often we talk about limitations. Yeah. And like Flippo was, or Felix, sorry, Felix was talking about that earlier, just with like the limitations of, uh, you know, a game engine or whatever. And we talk about this as developers a lot, like embracing your limitations um, kind of ends up being a more rewarding experience for you as a developer, but it's kind of the same thing in a way for for gamers themselves like having that limited library kind of it forces you into certain games or like for, forces you into i don't know different choices that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have made right and that ends up like leading to you i don't know fulfilling uh mm-hmm. yeah i mean i, I don't know what it, i'm trying to say but. it's like it's like um you know what's that line like limitation is the right limitations is the master of improvisation <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah. um limitation is the mother of innovation or something oh, that could yeah. be yeah thank you right. okay <laughs> felix perks up no. he's like you're not an idiot that's right <laughs> <laughs> no that's just but it also translates directly to uh game design and if you Give the player limiting options. Um, it, they're gonna try to work within those limitations, and it feels rewarding if they uh, manage uh, to, to complete the mission or the goal mm-hmm. or beat the boss. And you have some crazy players. You, you see that a lot in Dark Souls that we mentioned before. Is where they try to put even more limitations upon themselves, like saying, I, I, "I'm gonna finish the game without getting hit. Yeah. And if I get hit, <laughs> I just restart the game and and try again." <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not only sort of limitation, not only um, create innovation or, or creativity. Um, yeah, but apparently also fun for for a large amount of people. Totally, that's why speed so, running is a thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, like obviously games where there's a lot of choice have a place. You know, it's like I've played like probably like 200 hours of Red Dead Redemption Two now, and I enjoy the open world. Um, but for some of my other friends that have bought it, like they bought it brand new and they played it and they got overwhelmed. They didn't know what to do and they stopped playing. But then yeah. you look at like, I, I was thinking about the, the, a super meat boy the other day, super meat boy, for God's sake, is like one of the best selling games of all time. And you only have a limited arrangement of movement, a limited number of buttons you can press, <laughs> you know? Um, and the game is is a basic platformer. We perfected platformers in 1987, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and yet people are still buying it and playing it like it's brand new. So right. obviously, limitation sometimes doesn't impact the enjoyment of the game. Yeah, um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, go go back to uh, the educational um, yeah. part of it. Um, from what I see is that we have figured out pretty good ways on, on, and we know how good games are made, what kind of design decisions work, which one work less. Uh, but the, the main problem with um, other currently, but with games in general and, and most popular games, is that even though you have the feedback that teaches you the rules and, the, and games can teach you how to, uh, what you need to know in order to play them correctly, what you learn is only applicable within the game. Like the, the moment you turn off the game, what you learn, it, 
yeah, just don't buy gels that you can really use it. Right. I mean, you have people saying you, you have a higher reaction speed and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the next step would be to figure out how to create a good game, like Super Meat Boy or like Portal, but that also has, um, but by playing it, you actually learn something that's applicable, that's useful outside of it as well. And I think that's a very interesting um, field to to explore and figure out how it, how how you how you can do that and um, yeah how it works. So I I love this idea because that is something that I kind of struggle with in terms of like first playing games and also uh, making games. I'm always like I don't know trying to. F- to find the meaning and why I'm doing something. And if it doesn't have like a real world benefit to me, it, <laughs> Rhett and I have talked about this, but uh, <laughs> it's the most Taylor thing you've I, ever said. <laughs> um, outside of, okay. Outside of like mental health and enjoyment, whatever, like obviously there's some good benefits to playing games. Like right when you and I play risk of rain two or whatever, like I'm having a good time with my buddy, like, ha- you know, having fun, being social, whatever. Yeah. But like, if I'm going to spend 80 hours on a game and all I got from it was like, that was fun. (laughs) Like it's not as rewarding to me. I, and as a game developer, I don't want to just put something out there. That's like someone had fun with like, that is, that's Mm -hmm. cool. And I'm not like shaming anyone for making a game. that's just fun, but I really want to make content that is also either educational or like benefits you in, in some way or at least like says something you know what i mean right um and so like felix you and i have talked a lot about age of empires uh that game Mm -hmm. like just got me as a young kid and because of age of empires i've had this fascination for history for my whole life you know and even though that wasn't like the main purpose of the game it was set in this historical setting i learned about all these different civilizations different unit types like um and i was just like super curious about all kinds of stuff after that like i remember reading the uh age of empires like handbook and like they had this history section where every civilization had it had its own history you know and like the first time i ever learned about like the aztecs and the mayans and stuff was from age of empires um really the first time yeah, dude. I mean, it was like sixth grade or something. That's when so. I learned about the Aztecs and stuff from Miss Krause. Dude, I think that I learned about it in Age of Empires, and then we had some unit in like social studies yeah. or something. Yeah. And we learned about like Mesoamerica, and I yeah. was like, oh, I was like mad because at the time Age of Empires didn't have the Incans yeah. as, as a civilization. <laughs> but I just love that. Yeah. And. You know, like that's probably not the the main purpose of of why Age of Empires came about, but the it kind of sets it apart and it lends itself to especially like history nuts wanting to play those types of games to yeah. like be consumed by something that they're already interested in and having some sort of like interaction with that. Same with like Europa <laughs> Universalis, like um, you know, it, it's one of these games. It's almost like war games where you can take some events in history and like game them so that 
you have like alternate forms of history and like it's just fascinating to see how things like could have turned out differently but um so i love this i love this topic um and another point for me anyways it's like how can we um put pressing issues into games to get people more thinking more about like obviously like i talk a lot about climate change and stuff so like how can we you know add climate mm-hmm. change as an element to to games to get people thinking about it um, yeah well, i i got a good link um from that subject um because when i went to gamescom a few I think, yeah, a year ago now um i met a game developer who works for the company blackshore and he was making a game called uh, Cerberus. And um, Blackshore is not necessarily a game company, but they um, collect satellite images of basically around the entire world, and they work together with different um, uh, organizations that uh, are trying to help people or or try to help... um, Certain animals, or, or work to make sure that the that nature is 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 treated correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they have or what they have done at Blackshore with Cerberus is create a game where um, you can build a a city, just like a, like a normal Sim City kind of uh, kind of game. Mm-hmm. But you can also go on missions with different kinds of drones, it's different fine units have their own abilities, and you're tasked to map out these um, satellite images. Um, so an example that I can give, uh, I, I played it yesterday for a little bit, because um, I think the 1.0 version is released quite recently. Uh, so I went on a mission, I had this drone, and I had to um, map out animal tracks. Because there was an organization that wanted to know how the animals were moving. So I was sent to a place in Kenya and I could control these ships and map them out. And the way it works is the, the if I click on, on a hexagon, because the whole satellite image is basically uh, split up in different hexagons, um, I can get points if other players clicked on the same hexagon. Means that there's probably a high chance that it's actually an animal track. Oh, interesting. So that's, in my opinion, already a good way of how to use game design to create a game that um, motivates people to not only play it, but also provide something meaningful. So Yeah, that's um, really clever. Just as a clarifying question, like, this is taking kind of real-life data and helping them be able to track them? It's basically, yeah. it sounds like a uh, CAPTCHA type thing, you know, where it's like, show us the pictures of where those where those CAPTCHA things, where it says, show us the pictures of streetlights. And you click on all the pictures of yeah, streetlights. Yeah. Those go into benefiting driverless, uh, autonomous driving software. Yeah. So it sounds like this game, you fly this drone around and you click on stuff that looks like animal tracks. And the more people click on it, it feeds it, it, the, that information back. Like this is probably animal tracks here, so they. Yeah, it's so like the a organization. Game. Yeah, so to locally the organization that's in that uh, area um, will get information from that the, the players basically uh, via uh, that's the, really cool. via Blackshore. 
What? Dude, so, that is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest wild. problem is, however, is, is, is the game is not very fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it, it does show the potential. Like, um, it's, if you actually make a, um, a game around this that's on the level of, um, let's say, a civilization or uh, a SimCity or something like that, then you've already reached a much bigger audience and yeah. um, have more people playing it. And I think what's also very important is to show um, the worth of their... Um, of what they did so if they actually mapped out an animal track if the organization ended up doing something with it let, let the players that help know yeah and I'm absolutely. not 100% sure if, if that's already done because if, if you make the players feel like they're really helping and being a part of this big um, uh, mission basically uh, yeah that would already help motivate them to play it and you can also play it on your phone so it's also pretty accessible yeah um, yeah it's like yeah. crowdsourcing yeah, like game, yeah gamifying is. and crowdsourcing like kind of reminds yeah. me too how nasa releases all the their pictures of like the moon or of mars and people scan over it you know and they find things yeah mm-hmm. that's kind of a that's fun awesome. way of like gamifying it and even though you said it, it it's not very fun which is kind of a limitation it sounds like it could be, though. It sounds like if they yeah. maybe put some more effort into it, like this is a way to make a mundane task that needs to get done anyways a little mm-hmm. bit more enjoyable. And so, you know, for those people that <clears throat> are combing over NASA photos, for example, if you can gamify it and interest a hundred more people than are already doing it, like that's pretty like beneficial to their work. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of an interesting... I never thought about that doing something that way it'd be interesting to see even though it's even though like you say it's not very fun you know getting people thinking about designing that way Mm -hmm. you know it just me it just says to me like well this idea is sort of in its infancy and if they can perfect it like that's so that's really awesome so i think yeah so that example um and also uh, a few other ones that I read in uh, Reality is Broken from Jen McGonagall, uh, because it's basically a subject that she talks about in that book uh, a whole lot, is um, she worked on one, uh, on one game called A World Without Oil, which is basically one big massive what-if scenario. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that there's this website and which, uh, which contained a lot of information on if there's um, more... If there's not enough oil to be used, like that, uh, then a whole bunch of stuff go wrong. And, and so, what their question was to the players who uh, participated um, was okay, look at your own situation right now. And what would change if this was your reality right now? And then they had to um, do whatever they wanted to show what they would do in such a situation. And this game, I think it played out for 32 days. And every single day, players could maybe have a podcast where they talk what they do. Um, One example was was from a farmer who started teaching people how to um, grow their own crops and start their own little garden. Um, And and, 
3D fantastic stuff like that, or a, a um, somebody from, from the army was writing stories on how wars would be fought if there was no oil. <laughs> that was so it it it, it managed because the way the game was designed, it managed to have people think about how uh, their situation would change if this was a reality. Yeah. Instead of what now is happening most of the time, is just listening to experts who say stuff about it. And we, like normal plebs, don't really know what we could do if this situation was ever really um, a reality. But yeah. this way, this big um, what-if scenario does give you the ability to kind of reflect on, okay, I do all this stuff now on a daily basis. What would, what would change for me if it was a reality? Yeah, I guess well, I educate think, others as well. Yeah, I think that's one uh, big challenge, especially uh, when talking about like global issues in general. Um, like obviously with the pandemic, people are directly experiencing it, so we have a better idea of what it might be like if it comes up in the future. But before then, I mean, I don't know what what we would have thought our lives would be like um same yeah. thing with climate change i think it's really hard for for individuals to see how it really affects them um but if you could sort of i don't know use use a game as a um kind of like a simulation and put it mm -hmm. in somebody's own context like it definitely could be used as a educational tool to kind of get them started thinking about like oh yeah in 20 years like i don't know here here's what my life could be like due to the effects of climate change um and then maybe yeah. because of that people start caring and change the way they're voting or change the way they're living their day-to-day -day lives or whatever so yeah I, that's a mm -hmm. that's a cool example yeah so uh, from this um I, I have no idea if they did it multiple times but from the people that did play it, um, they did say that they changed their behavior after the game was over. Like there was one example of, of somebody who started a new study because he was working at General Motors. Um, I figured that if this becomes a reality in my lifetime, it's probably good if I have a backup plan as well. Yeah. So it does make you think. Like it, it, I think good game design helps motivate people instead yeah. of just only informing them. Totally. See, and that's something I've struggled with too. Um, thinking about this topic is like, I don't know. I'm not going to like any of the game ideas that I've had that are about this sort of thing are, are very like, I don't know, tangential, like, like people play the game and they hear about this story that, you know, the characters in the story were affected by like a climate catastrophe or something but there's no real like direct real world impacts of it so um finding a way to like like that previous game you were talking about where they can like fly around in a drone and actually help people in real life like finding a way to have like real world impacts is such a it's such a game changer like i don't know it yeah, kind of but, uh, oh god i was just about to say that so these are pretty big skill games and, and ideas, but I already think that if you, one of the powers that a game has, like, like you said before with Age of Empires and uh, for me, Total War as well, 
is to get people interested in a certain subject. I think that's already something that um, I think for, for indie games or indie game developers can, can do something with as well. Get a, get a subject, create a game around that, and um, find a way for people to get interested in the subject that you are discussing. And you have a lot of games now as well um, um, where they try to focus on mental health. Like Hellblade is a good example, like giving yeah. you an idea of what it is to have a psychosis. Right. And the that, way that they did it works really well. That was so one of the games really that was really there. kind of sticking out when we were thinking of like games that are trying to convey ideas, you know, across. Because um, that one was like, oof, it really, yeah. it really paints a picture, you know. And I remember uh, reading a lot of um, reviews from people who have mental health problems, and they were like, they'd look at their friends and family who'd played it and been like, huh, don't you get it now? Right. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, so that, that is what I think is would be very interesting to, to explore more, like explore more of the potential of games on doing um, and designing them that way. Like, yeah, yeah. Are you let people um, let people think? Are you working on anything related to this at at this point in time, or I'm not sure currently, what you're currently I, up to. Currently, um, I'm mostly doing research on on this subject, uh-huh. and um, I'm also. But figuring out if I can start working as a freelancer, um, because I had a plan to do a master's in Sweden, but I did not get accepted. Uh, gotcha. So I'm now slowly figuring out what what I'm gonna do. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is something that I think I will research more about, talk to as many people as I can um, about this subject. I'm planning on. Starting uh, uh, writing blog post about the subject. Um, so I, I now ju- just finished reading a, a relatively broken, um, and I watched a video by Jonathan Blow, who has been named out a few times in the recent uh, podcast as well. But he also he has a very good fi- video on why he thinks games can be used for education. Cool. Um, so that's that's collecting information and and looking up um, other projects related um, or, or companies to do something with this as well. Yeah. Um, there's a... I, I'm trying to remember the name of this um, account on Twitter that I follow. They There's a... The University of Washington has kind of like a game development club that is solely focused on uh, climate change-related games. And um, it kind of reminds me of this this topic. Um, it's typically like small indie game developers who are passionate about this sort of thing as well, and they make games related to climate change. And then they, I think they do like re- uh, research on different topics, and they do like Earth Lab. Um, Earth, I think that's it. Earth Lab. I remember Earth Lab. Sp- um, specifically one of the games that I saw when I first looked at it was like a game about how um it, it was basically a game about the greenhouse gas effect uh uh and it, you play as like a light wave trying to get back through the ozone like after you've reflected off the earth 
and it's like teaching you about how particles in the atmosphere like how they're composed and everything um so it still i think was focused on being fun but at the same time it sort of presents you with the science about how uh heat is trapped from the atmosphere yeah um and i was like i was super interested in them when i was making and didn't finish my um logging game because i was like oh maybe i can partner with these people and um you know talk about my game Uh, Mm -hmm. but i'm sure there's there's lots of other clubs and organizations out there that are similarly passionate about this idea um, probably specific to a certain topic but um yeah Yeah. earth lab is one part of it earth games is the other part it's like the games focus part anyway yeah right definitely definitely looked it up uh later yeah sounds nice yeah but i do think that's um because games can basically use and visualize in very interesting ways the the real data that's out there Mm -hmm. and i think in some ways depending on, on how good the game is it can be a better way of conveying the importance of certain situations better than if you put it in a video or uh, write a book about it absolutely true well and it reaches another audience too you know it reaches an Mm -hmm. audience that might not pick up an academic book or watch you know a documentary or whatever it might be it's going to reach an audience that might not have the same access to resources to you know f- grab a hold of that type of information in the way that it's delivered if that makes sense right. um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a great tool it's a great medium to reach people and it's kind of an exciting way to think about reaching people and climate change is a fun one to think of but you know there's uh, you know a lot of issues that you can kind of see um, I don't know having trouble thinking of them now but there's a lot of a lot of i think global issues or even even regional issues that could be brought to light through games yeah right yeah i i think that the best thing the games could do is to have people play them have them be fun and have them develop an interest for the subject they tackle yeah and then after they've played the game, after that, the, they will have to read the books to actually learn uh, more about it. But yeah, once they have an interest, sense. yeah, then that, that, that's basically where it starts. Like if you don't have an interest, you might read it, but it's not going to stick. Yeah. You might say it's the Lincoln Park of... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> the game could be the, the Lincoln Park into the rest of of your knowledge and enjoyment of a certain subject yep (laughs) (laughs) so so we're gonna have to make the the new metal video games yes (laughs) oh my god why not Uh, that's awesome that was a that was like a perfect way to like bring it all full circle (laughs) yeah Um, oh man nice well, we definitely don't. Um, we probably should start bringing this thing in for a little bit of a landing, just because uh, ten o'clock is kind of my my go time. But um, I yeah, is I, there anything? Oh, sorry. Go I was ahead. just gonna say, like, this is a really fascinating subject, and like, I'd I'd love to like you know have you back on in the future to like talk about it more and and uh, 
and uh, you know, see what other sorts of things you've learned or or you decide to work on that sort of pursues this this topic because it's one that's really interesting. But I I have a hard time thinking about how I would pursue it. It's not exactly in my wheelhouse. Um, but when we talk about it, I'm like, yes, of course, this is like the natural sort of way to pursue design, you know, especially if you have a desire to raise awareness of a certain topic. Um, so this has I, been a really, a really good starting point, I think for me. I really like this idea of, um, sort of gamifying and crowdsourcing to make real world yeah. impacts. Like for instance, you know, those, uh, exercise bikes, um, you could just go to the gym and ride an exercise bike and like burn your calories, or you could, you know, have a, an exercise bike that actually generates power and puts it back into the grid. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Or, and then we could just or, build uh, big buildings where everybody lives inside of them and they pedal for credits that they can then spend <laughs> to skip advertisements when they're watching TV. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers for black mirror though. Um, yeah. Or, uh, I'm going to do a shameless plug for Ecosia because y'all should switch your current browser to a uh, default browser or search engine to Ecosia because this is the same idea of gamifying. Everyone's out there searching on the internet. Why not search and help plant trees at the same time? But do so, they actually plant it, trees? They literally do. They literally do. If I can link on, can you see if you help plant a certain tree with, with your... Uh... They they don't they don't give you like a okay choice. your specific search uh, helped plant this specific tree, but they give you like how you know your searches impacted like the planting in this region of the world you know and, and every month they give you like a breakdown of um, you know what they're what they're working on. Not all of it is directly. Um, a search helps plant a tree. Some of it is a search helps provide resources to this organization that helps us plant trees in this area mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But it's the same idea, right? It's like everybody's playing games. So why not like figure out a way to utilize that as a way of like generating, I don't know, some helpful thing for the world. I, I love this idea. Yeah, I, I especially very interested in seeing where the Cerberus game is going. Yeah, totally. So it, it does release the, the version 1.0, so hopefully it's a, it's a big enough success that it's going to develop it further and maybe Absolutely. outsource the, the, the game development to, um, or the game part to a good game development company. Yeah. <laughs> like an actual good, fun game, because it definitely has some potential. I mean, I, I can see it as being a fun city building game. Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if like, because now on Twitter, the big uh, craze is the Microsoft Flight Simulator. I wonder how that game could be leveraged to do some sort of real life, you know, because I don't know how it all works, but it's like built on realism, right? I'm sure they're, the maps that they're generating are all real. So I wonder if there's some angle to that game where microsoft could have i don't know maybe it's like real life search and rescue or, or you know or like let's 
uh, fly around the Pacific Ocean and see from the air what, you know, if we can outline the the changes in the Pacific garbage patch yeah. or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. would be pretty cool. It is kind of interesting too, because it, it kind of brought to idea. It it brought to me, it brought to mind rather, the idea of like that teen who I think survived Katrina, and was interested in providing a way for people to know if their water was clean, and so made an app where you could take a picture of water and it would tell you if it was safe to drink or not through some crazy science jargon stuff. I have no idea. They developed this app where you can take a picture of water and find out if it's clean. I can sort of see ways where, like, you gamify certain aspects of not that. I don't know why that comes to mind, but it has that same sort of real world um, impact that I have that I'm thinking of. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if more similar examples. Um, like you have this, this folded kind of game. Um, right. I think there was one version of it that you basically just run on your or basically that organization they could use your hardware to run a program yeah. that would do it automatically um yeah. and eventually you could also that's played as a game for the proteins yourself and um that was creating data that was actually useful, useful for the scientists <laughs> that's cool that is cool so there's so much potential there's, right. there's, there's so much out there there's so many examples of showing that it is possible it works but it's, it's it's not quite there yet. It's, yeah, there's yeah. still, yeah. Like, Honestly, the, the, the killer app has not been created yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see. I see. Like thinking of like computer science or whatever. Like, and I forget which book it was that I was reading about. Oh, right, it was us talking to with Zivix about like how we're all just data. We're yeah. all like inputs and outputs. Yeah. Like I'm I'm seeing us now as like, okay, so we have all these inputs, right? We all we are all inputting our time into these games. And top it off, we have all these machines out there that ra- nowadays are super super powerful yeah. that are just sitting there like not actually doing, doing anything. anything. That's so many wasted resources. Like, let's take those inputs, all of the those human hours, and all of that like machine power, and output it to like literally change the world. Like, nah, no. <laughs> Wait, but does it make money? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just couldn't resist. Uh, I know. I know. Just uh. deflate me already. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the solution. Uh, oh, no, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Now the, the solution Jim McConnell comes on, uh, comes with is in order to fix society or the world, it basically has to become one big game. And I can sort of see that. And that's, <laughs> where there's a direct reward for your doing good. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a, pers- a yeah. pessimistic way of looking at it, but I mean. That's kind of like what I was just reading about Akosha is like, if you're not even willing to switch your browser to like maybe have a better impact on the planet, like what are you actually going to do to make the planet a better place? I was like, damn, calling me out. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, dude. It is literally a five second change. And like I changed to Akosha like November 2019. And according to their like, you know, it's they say every 45 searches, it plants a tree. Well, I've done like, 
five six thousand searches since then so okay all right did i I, yeah i planted like over 100 trees that feels good to me but kurt (laughs) has done that without changing his search engine yeah, but he's put like a significant <laughs> okay, amount of okay, effort to like digging, like pl- planting little saplings, wait, you know, taking care of them, and then literally like digging in the ground and putting them in there. Do you think most people are gonna do no. that? <laughs> no. Uh, in a game, they uh, would. See, that's true. In a game, they would. Let, dude, let's take Minecraft, and for every sapling you plant in Minecraft, it plants a real tree in the world. There you go. Easy. <laughs> Done. Done. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Save the world. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, uh, Felix, this has been really awesome having you here. Um, I got to bring this thing in for yes. a landing. Is there any um, any links or anything that you want to share with us before we take off? Um, if, if you don't want to say them over the air, we can just plug them in to the notes when we're done. You can just send them to us. and um, But it's up to you. Yeah. I think uh, if, if anyone is interested in discussing more uh, about this subject, then they can reach me on my, via my Twitter. Uh, that's uh, twitter.com slash, I got to say it in the correct, Felix underscore flipper. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I think I will send the other links for Cerberus and the other stuff. Um, cool. The Discord to put in the notes. Sweet. Sounds good. Yeah. And, uh, Felix is always in the Discord making right. making good comments about all kinds of stuff. So if you want to hit him up in the Discord as Flippo. Yeah. Come join us on the Discord. If you're not there, it's bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. Come say hi to Flippo. Uh, he's in there all the time. And um, for all your other Game Dev Quest links, just go to gamedevsquest.com. You can find us wherever you need. Right there. Um yep. I think until next time, my man, yeah. you're welcome back. Anytime you want to talk about this or whatever game dev yeah. project you're working on, just hit us up. Sure. Thanks, Felix. Sure Appreciate it, man. All righty, guys. Until next week. All right. It's been yeah, Game Dev's Quest. Week. Thank you later. Cute app music. Yep. Yep.